Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello, and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. This is your host, Joel Mark Harris. Today, we are interviewing a very amazing and special entrepreneur. Her name is Reem Musa. Uh, she is the founder of the Pangea app, uh, and she is also a writer. She has written her first book, Not a Follower. Uh, so we talk, obviously, a lot about her book. Um, she is... Uh, originally from Kuwait, she moved to Jordan and then to the United States. And so the book talks about her journey, specifically her spiritual path uh, and where she is today. And what I really love about this book is that it takes bits and pieces from different faiths, uh, different um, spiritual groups, and she kind of makes her own uh, decision on things. And she takes things that uh, are are important to her and then doesn't use the stuff that she doesn't find useful in her own practice. Uh, so, so that's something I really connected with. Uh, so hopefully you enjoyed this uh, wide ranging conversation. We talk about uh, her journey, her spiritual practices and uh, her app and book. Uh, so hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hi Reem and welcome to the show. Such a pleasure to having you. Thank you so much, Joel, for inviting me. I'm really excited for this interview. So I want to start off uh, in your childhood. Kuwait is a place I only know through uh, the media, through movies. Um, so I'm really interested in what it was like growing up there. Well, I'm a Jordanian a lady who was born and lived in Kuwait for a few years. Uh, I had uh, a great life, honestly, in Kuwait, uh, a great family. Uh, my mom and dad, I was actually born in a religious family, Muslim religious family. My mom, she was the religious part, and my dad was the more open-minded part. So there was some kind of balance between both of them that it helped us to have the religious anchor inside ourselves, yet to be more open to other ideas, which wasn't at a certain point uh, easy for us. So living in Kuwait, myself, I had a great experience, even though if I would uh, express or uh, describe myself, I was a very shy kid, low self-esteem, I wouldn't talk and very sensitive, which gave my dad a hard time to raise me. I was his challenge because he looked at me and he knew that there is something inside me that is really great and he has to work on it. And that's when everything started from Kuwait. My mom, she would be really religious, going the, taking the Islam to the heart. And which is, it was great. So I had to wear the scarf, the hijab. When I was young, I always was surrounded with a Muslims community. And I always had one question in my head. 
the existence of God since I was young. And of course, like any other kid, when we have this question, we go to our parents asking them about the existence of God. And, you know, especially if you are really religious, and they will ask you not to even think about it. When, of course, I had to suppress this question, and I had all these contradictions inside my heart between loving God and if he does really exist, or is it just our imagination? And I grew up, of course, after the war, we left Kuwait and we went to Jordan. And that's when I finished my high school, then we moved to the state. And what was your schooling like? Oh my God, you just went straight to the most important, by the way, point in my life. I think the schooling system was the system that created the sensitivity and the low self-esteem in myself. And uh, I did not enjoy it. I felt that it was more towards uh, abusing system. This is how I saw it back then. Maybe it wasn't that bad, but back then they were really tough on us the way they raise us and teaches us in schooling. So with a sensitive person, that's how my low self-esteem was created in myself. And I wouldn't even talk anymore. I was really, really shy. So I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. And how did, so how did you deal with that as a kid growing up? Um, honestly, I would say it wasn't easy and I didn't know how much it affected me till I grew up and I had my kids and I found myself, I'm always in my defensive mode towards the schooling system over here. So I always wanted to protect my kids and I didn't know that was all because what I went through when I was in school, when I was young but it affected me when I grew up. And this is something that I had a whole chapter in my book about it, about schooling system and how I had to go back and forgive my schooling system when I grew up. And then, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just want to tell you, it was really challenging for my, uh, for myself. And then, so from Jordan, you moved to the States, is that correct? I did, you know, I was going between back and forth between the state and Jordan. So uh, I would say, but I moved to the state on 1997. Officially, we moved to the state. Me and my family, we all just left Jordan and we moved to Maryland. Okay. And what was the reason for that? And can you tell us a little bit about that entire process? Just immigrant. We, my dad, he applied for the green card. We had our immigration papers ready. So my dad, he thought it would be better for us as a kids to move to the state and start our life over here in the United States. And we, lo we love it. We love just being here. And I do feel that this is my home, you know, from a person that has been moving from a country to another, from state to another. So once I landed on Washington, Seattle, now I'm here in Kirkland. I just feel that I, I love it. I feel this is home for me. I, I feel the belonging to this state in the United States. Was it a bit of a culture shock in getting used to um, life in the States? 
Well, I have to tell you something. Since I'm a very, with all the challenges that I went through when I was young, I was always a positive person because I'm very shy. So I learned how to adjust with anything around me because I have to accept it. So for me, moving to the state, it was somehow me tuning in, adjusting my system that, okay, I'm going to live here and I'm okay. I had such a beautiful experience, even with me wearing hijab. I've heard all these stories about people that they do wear hijab and they had all these issues and challenges outside. Never. Like if, well, we are the creator of our own reality. Since I loved it. And I'm always positive. All the situations and all these stories and the experiences that I went through, it was just perfect and amazing. So I have no, I I didn't have any culture shock. If something I enjoyed it more. That's amazing. Can you tell us? So you, as a young um, schoolgirl, you questioned, you know, is God real? And um, a lot of questions around religion. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that spiritual journey that you took and where have you arrived to today? So since I had this question since I was young and of course after getting married, having kids, I became so busy that the question did not really came into my mind very much until I lost my mom. And once my mom passed away, this is the time when the question popped up again in my head. But this time it was really strong that I cannot just, you know, turning it down or lower it. I just had to listen to my soul call, what is happening and what will happen after my mom's, you know, passing away. Where is her, where is her soul? Where would it go? Because we, in, I don't know if, it's in all religions, but somehow in our religion, Islam, the way they teach us the life or once your soul leaves your body, the transition, we do hear these stories that is really scary. And to me, I couldn't connect the love of God, the way they teach us the love of God with all these stories that I've been taught when I was young. And it, this is maybe the, the shocking with all the knowledge that I've, re, that I've collected and I gained when I was young with my mom's death. And then I'm like, okay, then what? This is it? This is life? I lost my mom. And where are we going after this? That's when I had to dig deeper in Islam to understand exactly where would we go after we pass away and after death. And from there, I understood that lots of our beliefs, it is culture. It's not the real Islam. Um, this is me and this is now my opinion that most of what we're practicing, it's not the real Islam. The real Islam is more peaceful, more loving, and more... Uh, uh, it, it's, I, I felt that I connected more with Islam, but from there, it took me to more... Uh, to teachers, uh, spiritual leaders that I've started attending, traveling just to meet them and learn more about the soul, about God. And of course, with each step, you have an intention and with each intention, you receive an answer. And with, all an an with each an answer, you will have more questions. 
which led me to understanding more the concept of life, uh, soul, God, religions, unity, oneness, uh, and of course creating all these products that I'm working on right now in my life. Uh, who are some of the spiritual leaders that you pay attention to today? Oh my God, one of, uh, I love this teacher, uh, Joe Dispenza, he's one of my teachers. I uh, love uh, Greg Braden, uh, Bruce Lipton, uh, Wayne Dyer, Stuart Wilde. Uh, I met actually Deepak Chopra, I met quite a few of these teachers and I got the Actually, I was uh, really blessed to meet them one-on-one, -on -one, to know me and to teach me more how to evolve in my, uh, in my career and in my spiritual path. So this led you to write a book, Not a Follower. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that book and what inspired you to write it? You know what? I like your questions. Because if I would say something, if I would explain... When I'm going, I would start first with the book before any other product because I did start with the book while I was attending all these uh, workshops. God will just, or the universe will just provide me with all these unexpected challenges and stories. And every time I would just go and tell my friends how this workshop went and what did i learn they will always tell me oh my god maybe you have to just write a book because the way you you know present your story it is just so fun that we can see it in a book i'm like no i don't really think i'm a book writer so we'll just dismiss it i'm not gonna write it but one time i was in australia and uh, attending one of joe dispenza's workshop when I saw a vision about a book. And I'm like, okay, I think it's about time. Then Joe Dispenza met me and he told me the same thing. He's like, Reem, I think it, you have to write a book. So I'm like, okay, maybe the book is the thing. So I came back. I started actually writing the book on my way back to Seattle in their plane, the first chapter. And I arrived and I started writing more about the my journey and the teachers i've met in my life when i met then this lady she's an editor and an author and i asked her to read few of the chapters of my book and she told me you know what Riem? yeah it's a great book but it's uh, normal there isn't something big deal about it so I listened to her. I'm like, you know what? She might be right. So let me go do my meditation and ask for unexpected ending for this book, which is it was Pentajaya app. It was unexpected, you know, app that I would come up with. Can you, so can you tell us a little bit about the app and um, how, yeah, I guess the, um, how did you build it? Because it's not every day that somebody comes along and just decides to build an app and, and make it a reality. So if you could just tell us a little bit about that process, that would be great. I would say it was a challenging process. It wasn't an easy being a mom. And literally, I did not do anything except taking care of my kids. 
And I would tell you, Joel, that I did not, I did not create anything. Like the whole visions, they just picked me. It happened that I set my intention and the vision just came to me. And this is how I created the Pantajaya app. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. It wasn't something that I even wanted to build because it didn't really make sense to me. You being here, you needed someone to pay for you. Okay, send a request. And someone that you don't really know will start sending their vibes for you. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. When one day, I had just the idea while I was meditating, but one day, uh, I just received the whole idea. Just it was in my head. I woke up at 12:30 a.m. and I just started writing the idea. And I'm like, okay, I've never done an app, so I told my husband, I need your help. My husband is an engineer. So I told him, I, I need your help. I have to do this app. And I started, but the challenging about the app, it wasn't the idea and me being a mom. It was that I didn't even have the vision for it yet. I just had the information, the pieces, but none. I didn't know how would it look like, how would it work. So, But the universe, again, helped me out. They just picked the team. And Zoom it played big role in this because we built the whole app through Zoom. Our developers used to live in Spain. My designer is in Turkey. My managers and the people who's taking care of the whole app, they're in uh, Toronto. And I live here in Seattle. We, I did not meet them except on Zoom. So this is how we built the app. We were, I believe, the first company before the whole pandemic started we started using zoom to build our own company and it worked beautifully it it wasn't really challenging from that aspect but the challenge was me getting out of my comfort zone every single step learning more terms uh, the technology how it works that wasn't easy but uh, it was worth it so you describe yourself as being very shy as a kid, but yet now you're building apps, you're writing books. What, was there a shift or what changed that allowed you to take that next step outside of your comfort zone? I have a, a sentence that I always uh, say it to everyone. If you understand spirituality very well, you have to be a successful person. And I believe that I understood what the universe will hand us and how much I deserve. And I worked around this. I believe that I deserved everything. And I loved myself because I was a shy person and uh, very low self-esteem. One day, I remember when I was 16, before going to sleep, I started talking to myself and I said, okay, if I did not love myself enough, no one is going to love me because I'm, I have to love myself. I have to take care of myself. So it was a decision. The second day I woke up, I loved myself and I started asking everyone to, okay, this is really crazy, but this is how I did it. I just kept asking everyone to call me beautiful because I did not see it. So I had to convince them that I'm beautiful, I'm worthy, and I love myself. So I kept faking for some time until one day 
my features started changing. My look started changing and I started loving seriously myself so much that I started being out of my comfort zone because once you love yourself, that's it, you're out of your comfort zone. But then understanding spirituality, I understood that the universe will always give me what I deserve and what I ask. So I worked around this. I actually, I didn't have the fear was not there. It was just getting out of my comfort zone. It was really challenging. That was, that's how I became an author and an app owner. In your book, you describe the moment where you decide uh, not to wear the hijab anymore. Do you mind talking a little bit about that decision and how that affected you? Yeah, actually, that was, that was, I believe, the first decision for me to practice what I seriously, truly believe. It's not what I've been taught. It wasn't what I've been lived for all my years, previous years. I just felt one day, I, I, I started talking to myself, am I ready to take this step? Because it's not an easy after all these years taking off hijab. And I'm aware that too many people will start judging me. And back then, I really cared about what they think of me. I cared about my... Uh, my, uh, uh, how would I say it? Uh, my, uh, my people, like I cared about everyone. So, but one day I felt that's it. I cannot just keep uh, acting like if it was okay, because God did not ask me to do this. This is my belief now with all my respect to anyone that is wearing hijab. I still love hijab and it was a really beautiful part of my life. But I felt that this is not God. So if this is not God, why do I have to do it? So I took the blessing from my dad first, the blessing. So I, my dad, he was like, okay, you can do it. And then I talked to my husband about it. And these are the two people who all, as well, I did, uh, uh, I do care a lot about them. They said, yeah, you can do whatever you want. That's when I decided to take it off. And I felt the freedom. And it's really interesting when you think how sometimes our soul just gets so trapped in the way you dress up just because what whatever people they think of you and when i took it off i felt i felt from inside that i had the freedom back so that's it uh so your book is called not a follower can you tell us why you chose that title and what meaning it has to you well one time I was uh, talking to my husband and I was telling him it's really interesting to each workshop I go people will ask me how long have you been following this teacher and I don't know this question just got on my nerve and every single time I will tell them the same answer I'm not a follower I'm not a follower so I told them well, you know what I'm not a follower I just want to be a great student then I'm like oh I like this for a name from my book Maybe I should use it. And then I noticed that the society does really program us to be a followers, even 
in social medias, they will tell you, you know, how many followers do you have? And this is now what we are always focused on. How many followers do I have in my life? So I do believe it's about time in life, not to be a follower, to create your own path, to have your own beliefs, and just to trust your true self, because we all have the answers inside ourselves. I, teachers are amazing, and they are great, and they will teach you how to get onto your path. But at the end, you have to be the leader to your path. You cannot just be a follower to one teacher or to one group or I, I love religions, but even if you have questions about religions, we do have to question because this is how we can find peace inside ourselves. I totally agree. I think that's that's really amazing. I was at a um, self-development workshop and at the end they're saying, you know, use what you, what will help you and what empowers you and then discard the rest. And I think that sounds like a, you know kind of a, what you, your journey is like and mm-hmm. and what you practice so that's I think that's very empowering um, because I think it's important that we we don't just take in things and just believe them because we're told to believe them that we question them and if we mm-hmm. find through that those questions that we ask that yes this is true then we can follow them but you know, just because we take parts of it doesn't mean we have to take the whole, you know, the whole thing, right? So I think that's, that's really powerful. Definitely. Um, I want to, yeah, to talk a little bit more about your book and, and the writing pro, uh, process. And um, I get, you know, being your first book, what, there must have been a lot of struggles and, and, you know, maybe some self-doubts. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how, how that writing went um, when you decided uh, the best time to write and a little bit about the whole publishing um, and that aspect of it. Well, I started writing this book in 2016. In uh, 2000, end of 2017, I received the idea of the app. That's when I decided uh, to stop writing the book. I'm like, you know what, this is too much work. I don't really have time for it. And I didn't know what to add more. So I decided just to stop. I'm like, you know what, the book is dead inside my heart. And I don't think I'm going back to write this book anymore. And everyone will keep asking me if what's happening with my book, where I am right now. I'm like, nope, it's done. There's no books anymore. I'm focused more on my app. And one day on June uh, 2019, honestly, I have to mention one thing before this. Uh, While I was writing the book, I did find actually too many challenges regarding, as you said, me writing a book, and I'm not really familiar how to write a book. And then I had this mentor that I met in one of the workshops. He was guiding me and telling me where's my weakness point in writing the book and how I should, it it does require different kinds of talents. So that day I do remember because he was really harsh on me with his feedback, but I learned one thing, to respect all feedbacks. And second, to have my challenge as a gift. I would always, always, always look at my challenge as my stepstone. I learned not to allow any negative word or any negative feedback uh, 
to stop me. And this is, of course, with the app, with the book, with anything in my, any product that is outside, I had a really harsh, by the way, feedbacks, but I didn't want to stop. And I always had in my head, if I stop, I would regret, regret it. So it's always just to achieve what you want and put it out there and not anyone will read it better than just to stop and just to feel that you wish if you just continue with it. But yet, because I was so happy with the app, I didn't really care about the book. I stopped it. I'm like, okay, it does require me to work more on myself before I go back to the book. But on June 2019, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I felt that I'm feeling the book again in my heart. So I'm like, okay, hold on. How come? It's like, seriously, I could, you know, I felt that someone was dead and all of a sudden woke up again. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like the book. And I learned how to understand my intuition and to connect more with my heart and respect all the emotions and the energies that flow out of my heart. And I told my family and my kids, I'm like, okay, hold on. I think I'm going to go back to the book. So I went to one of uh, Jack Canfield workshops in Oregon. And Jack Canfield was one of the leaders also that I always wanted to meet. So I went there, I, uh, and I went there with an intention to find a person to help me in my book. Back then, I didn't, I know that I have to set my intentions to any workshops because I would always receive what I intend for. So uh, I arrived there but I did not tell anyone what's my intention. I'm like just there enjoying me being there. This is all what I did. I enjoyed it. When all of a sudden a lady was sitting next to me and she's like, okay, I know that you're writing a book. So do you have an editor or someone to help you or a ghostwriter? I'm like, nope. She's like, you know what? My editor is over here. Would you like to meet her? I'm like, oh no, this is too good to be true. This is in my head, but it came... It was too good to be true. I met Madeline. She was the person who helped me in the book. And we both together had our energy in this book. That's why you will always feel the love while we were writing this book. And then, so after you finish writing, uh, comes the publishing. Can you tell me about how you published and how that felt having a book out into the world? Actually, you know what? I wanted to have an agent to publish the book because I'm aware that we are the creator of our own reality. But it came to my awareness that first we started COVID-19, so everything was shut down and I had to do something. The book is done and I have to do something about it. That's when I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do self-publishing. So I hired a lady to take care of the book, uh, the cover, the design, everything. I just told her what I'm looking for and she did help me with this. And then I hired another lady to take care of marketing. And the book was out in uh, around three weeks and it happened to be done and ready in the market on Mother's Day. So I'm like, I could not just expect a better gift from the universe than Mother's Day to have my book outside. 
That's awesome. Um, okay, so the Pangea app. Uh, who is this for and why should somebody download it? Okay, it's for everyone. It's for us to go back to our awareness, how important is our vibration. Because if you are aware of how powerful you are, you would always share this vibration with everyone. There are people outside that they do not really know anyone and they would love your support just by with the word or with a vibration. And science now, it's not, because, it's not spirituality now anymore. Now science is approved how powerful we are as a vibration being, being and as an energy being. being. So it is very powerful when I ask someone to pray for me and it does really affect my energy when this person thinks of me. So when uh, I did create this app, I always believed on, even before even understanding the energy, the powerful of praying. I also I always believe that once you pray to someone, you do you do really change their uh, the whole circumstances for this person. So uh, this app it's all about sharing your love, your good thoughts with each other, elevating your emotions. Sometimes when I'm not feeling very well, my daughters they will just get into this app and will form a prayer for me, asking you know, people just to send me love. And you know what? It's really amazing how it does really work. It does really work when someone share with me their loving vibration. It does really affect me. And I do believe it's such a good way to teach our future, which is our new generation, the power of their energy. And instead of just being in social media, which is, it's beautiful to share your stories, to share your pictures. Also, you can share your uh, inspiration stories, your uh, uh, how to elevate someone's uh, vibration, how to support each other just by uh, praying for someone. And there's no religion that is related to this app. It's for everyone to all religions or languages because we are powerful as vibrations. That's uh, why. But the good thing is that you feel safe when your kids using this app because there's nothing to worry about. They're there just to learn and to pray for each other. And I think that can be really effective for our future to teach our kids uh, to pray for each other. Yeah, I think that's a important point because one thing I really worry about is the younger generation growing up with social media and it being such a big influence in their mm -hmm. lives. And so having a controlled uh, app where, you know, you can learn about different spiritual practices, um, how to behave, you know, in, you know, I guess in a in a manner that is, um you know, i guess appropriate um you know i think that's that's really important for sure well we do have uh, two intentions for this app uh tell you the truth the first one is uh that we are the new generation of social media we have to think 
think uh, beyond what is now, we have to think about the future and uh, how we how we're going with social media. I am a mom and I'm aware of all the social media's stuff that is happening. I'm not against or with, but um, we cannot fight. We can just have another solution, propose our kids with a different solution, just to use it. They don't have to use it every day, but it's there knowing that there is a, a different uh, social media out uh, there. And uh, the second thing is to elevate your energy. We want anyone that is on Pantajaya, once they're in, to feel that they're energized, they're happy, they're learning, and then they leave. We don't want to suck your energy. We want to feed your energy once you are using Pantajaya. This is our intention. That's great. You mentioned a couple times uh, meditation. Can you tell us a little bit about your meditation practices? Well, as you know, since I've been going to too many workshops, I learned too many tools. And at the end, you have to create and adopt your own meditation. So you listen, you take, and you have to form your own that does really go well with your uh, inner self that you do feel that it does do the change after you're done. So usually I have to do twice meditation a day. So my first one is the minute I woke up, I do not do anything. I will, I wouldn't even talk. I wouldn't touch my phone. I would just have to know what time is it. And then, and it has to be early morning and then I'll have my mask on and I will start uh, connecting with the earth. I will start connecting with the infinite love, with the infinite possibilities. I will just tune in because there are infinite for everything. And I will start showing my appreciation for this day and creating my day from the morning. I will just lay out to the universe all my plans for the day and ask the universe to take whatever she wants to take or whatever it wants to take and leave whatever wants to live for me to experience and i will accept the day as as it i wouldn't really be bothered if something got changed or something just show up i will just accept it because i'm aware now that the universe is teaching me what to do during the day and at night i would just do it as well after everyone goes to sleep i would like to connect with my true self be feeling gratefulness for this day and that we are all safe. And I will put questions for the universe. If I do have any questions, I will just put it out there and allow the universe just to hand me all the answers. And uh, of course, uh, but each one of us, and I do use the tools that I've learned from Joe Dispenza, from uh, Wayne Dyer, from uh, the books that I read from Stuart Wilde. There's beautiful meditations out there. If I do feel that like just doing them, I will just use them. And if I don't, just I just want to sit and not doing anything, I will just do it. I will just listen mainly to my energy and what do I feel like doing today. And you also have a podcast out called New Dream with Reem, which I love the title, by the way. Thank you. Uh, what inspired you to create that and 
just tell us a little bit about your podcast. I'm telling you, everything just picks me. The book picked me, the Fantasia picked me, and podcasts just came to me. Uh, two of my friends that I met on while I was doing brain hacking, uh, I met these great uh, people, Mike, he's a tennis player, and Madhusudan, he's an author. And they just came to me and they told me, you know what, Reem, we're doing this podcast and we would like you to be a part of it. So we did do our first one, but I felt that we were too much too much like on the listeners. So I told them, you know what? You both are really great. I think I will be to, you know, teach three teachers at the same time. I think it will be really heavy for the listeners. So I told them, you know what? I think I cannot just do this with you guys for the sake of you. So maybe me being out, it will be easier. That's when my team, Pentagia team, they've been asking me all the time to create my own podcast and I just postponed it. I'm like, okay. And while I was just talking to my team, Pentagia team, um, I was just laughing. I'm like, yeah, we'll do my own podcast, a new dream with dream. I'm like, hold on. I like this name. Maybe I should use it. Then I'm like, okay, when spirituality meets reality. Okay. Oh my God. I love this. So it wasn't something that I was thinking about. I was just making fun with my team with, you know, using the names but they just grabbed it and they start working on it. They're creating, you know, the logo, the uh, having the people to work behind the scene. You know, there are people, there's team that is working behind the scene behind each podcast. And uh, I started, you know, doing my podcast. It was not easy as well. You know, it's not my language. It's not my first language, but I'm enjoying it. And as I said, you know, once you understand spirituality, you do understand that you are the creator. And this is what I always try to emphasize while I was talking at the end, I will always end that, that you are loved, you are safe, and you are the creator of your future. So, and I will just give a few tips that, you know, the experience that I gained while I was working on manifestations. I just love manifesting my life. So I'm like, okay, I will just tell the people because there's too many teachers that are teaching manifestation already and there's too many teachers are talking about science and spirituality. So there's everything, but there are a few tips that um, I use just to tweak my manifestation so it will become faster. So it's just sharing experiences with users and listeners. Nice. So I'm gonna wrap it up with this last question. And it is, what is your favorite book or a book that you like to gift? Okay, I will tell you who's my favorite author because this author, I love all his books. I love Paolo Coelho. Um, also, I admire his books and I love his style. So anything that is related to Paolo Coelho, I love it. And there are a few books uh, that I do like as well. The Red Lion. Um, I'm not sure if you did hear of this book. No. It's an old book. It's a beautiful book. It talks about the journey of the spirituality and our ego. And uh, any book also for Alif Shafak. She's a Turkish author. I just love her book, 40 Years of Love. 40 Rules of Love, sorry. I love her book. Uh, so I love reading. 
So this is something that it does satisfy my soul as well. And sorry, who was the author of The Red Line? Do you remember? Her name is Maria Zebus, I believe. Her last name is a little bit confusing to me to read it. So I asked my daughter to, you know, read it for me. She's like, I don't know how to read her last name. But Maria, her first name is Maria. So The Red Lion by Maria Zebus, I believe her Great. last name. Maureen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate your time um, and hopefully enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I definitely enjoyed it. And I hope our listeners will enjoy it as well, as much as we did. And so for listeners and viewers uh, who want to reach out, uh, maybe learn a little bit more about your podcast, your app, your book, uh, where can they find you? Uh, My podcast? literally all over the place Spotify iTunes Google you can just wherever you go you're gonna find my podcast a new dream with dream not a follower is on Amazon and on also Barnes and Noble Uh, and my app it's on the App Store Apple the iOS and the Android it's a Pantajaya app thank you very much thank you thank you so much for having me Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.